Thank you for tuning in to ReachMD XM157 as we present this month's special series, Focus on Children's Health. Insomnia is a common sleep concern in children with autism spectrum disorders. As these children often have a complex array of other conditions, hypnotic use can be problematic. Is melatonin a reasonable alternative? Welcome to our special segment on children's health. I'm Dr. Leslie Lunt, your host, and with me today is Dr. Beth Mallow, Associate Director of the Vanderbilt Clinical Research Center and Director of the Vanderbilt Sleep Corps at the Vanderbilt University School of Medicine. Dr. Mallow is also an Associate Editor for the journal Sleep. Her research focuses on the interface between sleep, autism, and related disorders of neurodevelopment. Welcome to ReachMD, Dr. Mallow. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. How common is insomnia in children with autism or autism spectrum disorders? Insomnia is really common in children with autism, probably even more so than in the general population of children. The estimates are at least 50% in kids who are of normal intelligence, and it may be even higher in those with mental retardation or epilepsy or those who are taking medications for their psychiatric disorders. Now, are there any FDA-approved medications for this group? At this point, there are no FDA-approved medications for treating insomnia and autism. It's still an evolving field, and there's very few FDA-approved medications for autism in general. It's really an area that needs a lot more research and work. Now, since there's nothing FDA-approved, what do we typically have to choose from that is standard of care that most people feel comfortable with? Well, what's being used medication-wise is a lot of medicines that are being used for other conditions in autism. So, for example, Risperdone might be used to try to help sedate kids, but it's not really approved for sleep. In one of the side effects is kids can be very sedated on it. Also, some of the anti-epileptic drugs that have been used to treat epilepsy are sometimes used for sleep in this population including clonazepam, some of the other drugs like clonidine that are are used for other conditions like behavioral conditions and autism and other neurodevelopmental disorders are being used for sleep. And the problem with a lot of these medicines is that they really haven't been studied in detail and they oftentimes have a lot of side effects like grogginess during the day. They're very strong medicines. You know, they can affect the liver, they can affect the blood count, and we really need to be looking for medications that are, you know, relatively safe, relatively benign to treat insomnia rather than trying to use these other medicines to treat, you know, we're developed to treat aggression and seizures and other behavioral problems for the purposes of sedating the kids. So these other medicines, really, you're just trying to exploit the side effect of sedation. Exactly, exactly. And they really aren't necessarily working on the sleep-wake cycle, so to speak. And that's why melatonin has gotten a lot of interest because it actually is a medicine that is something that our bodies make naturally to promote sleep. So we're not using a side effect of melatonin. We're actually trying to use melatonin itself because it's such a potent sleep-wake regulator and, in fact, is a natural one. It's something that our bodies make naturally to promote sleep. Now, you've looked at melatonin specifically in these kids with autism spectrum disorder. Tell us about your study. Sure. 
So basically, we have two things going on. We have an ongoing study that is funded by Autism Speaks Foundation as well as the National Institutes of Health to look at melatonin in a prospective way. The study I want to start out telling you about, though, is a retrospective review where we went back and looked at 107 children at Vanderbilt who had been treated with melatonin for their insomnia, and they all had autism. They were ages 2 to 18 years, so a wide range of kids. Many of them were also taking other medicines for other conditions related to their autism, including behavioral problems. And we basically looked at the medical records and said, when we started melatonin, what kind of dose did we use? What were the side effects, if any? And what kind of improvement did the parents report? And we were really excited to find, first of all, that many of the parents reported that the children's sleep did get better. About 25% reported no sleep concerns at follow-up visits. So that went from being a major problem, voice to the pediatrician, to no longer being a problem. And then even in the kids who continued to have sleep as a problem, 60% of the parents reported improved sleep. So between the time that the melatonin was started and the follow-up visit, there was roughly 85% of the kids, their parents reported either that the sleep was no longer a concern or that the sleep was better. So that was the first finding from our study, and we were very pleased about that. The second finding is that there were really minimal side effects. Only three children out of the 107 children who were studied had side effects, and they basically were sleepiness in the morning in one child, grogginess in the morning in another child, and increased bedwetting in a third child. And that was it. Seizures, you know, were a natural concern because there had been one case series in the literature. It was actually a letter to the editor saying that seizures could get worse when you treat kids with autism with melatonin. And in fact, Several of our children had seizures to begin with, but nobody's seizures got worse on melatonin. None of the kids who hadn't had seizures before starting the melatonin developed seizures on the melatonin. They all remained seizure-free. So we were very pleased to see that there were really no significant side effects and no increase in seizures or new-onset seizures with the melatonin. Dr. Mallow, one of the difficulties I have with using melatonin in practice is trying to figure out what dose to use. How did you decide what dose to use in these kids? Well, that's a great question. And in our retrospective study, we pretty much used the dose that was standardized. And when I say standardized, I mean my colleague, Dr. Susan McGrew at Vanderbilt, who treated these kids, had a protocol in place where she started children who were less than six years of age on 0.75 to 1 milligram of melatonin and to go up by one milligram every two weeks. The kids who are older than six, six or older, were started on a slightly higher dose of melatonin, 1.5 milligrams, and gone up to three milligrams after two weeks if there was no response seen at the lower dose. But really, you know, we don't quite know what's the right way to go. And in the prospective study that NIH just funded, we're actually doing a dose-response study to make sure that we put some science behind the dosing. So we're actually following kids 
through different doses and measuring not only parent report of how they're sleeping, but we're using an objective measure called actigraphy where you wear an activity meter on the wrist and you could measure how well a child is sleeping at the different doses. Now, another question that many of us have out in practice is, how can you be sure of the safety and potency of melatonin? Did you use a name brand, or were you able to get pharmaceutical-grade melatonin for your work? Right. So we are using a brand called Natrol that the Food and Drug Administration basically asked us to put in an IND, an investigational new drug, application because we're using melatonin in a new way. In other words, it's approved as a dietary supplement, but it's not approved specifically for use to treat insomnia. So we are the first to have received this investigational new drug approval from the FDA, and we're partnering with Natrol. They're not supporting, you know, they don't give me royalties or anything. (laughs) They're simply supplying the medication for our study. Otherwise, I have no conflict of interest with them. They basically partnered with us to allow us to release their information to the Food and Drug Administration so that we could get approval to use their brand in our study, which we received. And I feel good about it because the FDA did a thorough review of their documentation so that the purity and various other components, stability over time, were assured to be correct. Now, another concern that some of us have had would be the possible endocrine effects of using melatonin, especially in younger children. Have you had any problems with prolactin or testosterone? That's an excellent question. Actually, both of our studies, our Autism Speaks study and our NIH-funded study, are having us look at those two levels as well as related reproductive hormones to be absolutely sure that the children's hormone levels do not significantly change when they're treated with melatonin. We're also making sure that the children are Tanner stage one. So in other words, they have not yet reached puberty at the time of the study because we want to be sure that we, at least in this first trial, that we limit it to kids who are prepubertal. Makes sense. Now, what do you currently recommend for treating insomnia in these kids that have autism or autism spectrum disorders? Well, I always start with behavioral principles, just like in typically developing children and just like in adults with insomnia. I think it's very important to be sure that the children are having a regular sleep-wake time, you know, that they're going to bed at the similar times every day of the week, including weekends, that they don't have electronic devices in their room so that they're not watching TV or computer or playing with their video games before bedtime because that can be very stimulating, that they're not getting caffeine in their diets, particularly in the afternoon and evening, as that can be stimulating. They're getting enough exercise during the day that if they have anxiety, that that's being treated with you know reassurance and a calming, soothing bedtime routine. We found that these children with autism really respond well to visual supports and even making a little board for them that they can see what the bedtime routine is and follow along either with the visuals or with a written out schedule if they're more higher functioning and basically go through the bedtime routine with their parents can be very reassuring to them and comforting and that can help promote Mm -hmm. sleep as well. Okay. Well, thank you so much for being on our show today. 
You are very welcome. And we've been talking about the use of melatonin in children with insomnia and autism spectrum disorders. I'm Dr. Leslie Lunt. You've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. To listen to our on-demand library, visit us at ReachMD.com. If you register with the promo code RADIO, you'll receive six months of free streaming for your home or office. If you have comments or suggestions, please call us at 888-MD-XM-157. Thank you for listening. Listen all month as ReachMDXM-157 presents a special series focused on children's health. To download podcasts of this series, visit us at ReachMD.com. This ReachMD program is featured on Sermo, a free online community exclusively for physicians. To discuss this program with your colleagues, visit www.sermo.com. That's S-E-R-M-O dot com. When you join, enter ReachMD in the promotion box to receive a $15 Amazon gift card.